Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. This week we begin the month of Elul, the final month on the Jewish calendar. The month dedicated to repentance, to preparation for the High Holy Days. And rabbis have always found texts which can help guide people to through some of the questions, some of the issues that we should be considering as we consider the concept of tshuva. And very often those texts find their way into High Holy Day sermons because, of course, the process of tshuva reaches its culmination during the days of Rosh Hashanah and the days leading up to Yom Kippur. Several years ago, I gave a sermon on Rosh Hashanah which analyzed a particular text, which I found extraordinarily meaningful. And over the next few episodes of the podcast, I'd like to share with you parts of that sermon based upon this sacred text. Now, I'm going to put the word sacred in quotation marks because it's not a traditional text. In fact, it's a joke. Let me tell you the background before you hear the joke. My father and other members of our family were great joke tellers. They go, told great stories. And I find it remarkable that I had never heard this joke until I heard it once on the website of Old Jews Telling Jokes several years ago. You can find it on YouTube. I'm going to play you the YouTube recording of it because I could not possibly do justice to this joke and do it as well as the person telling the joke whose name is Malcolm Bush. You can find it on YouTube, but I want you to listen to it and realize that after I heard it, I was convulsed in laughter for about 10 minutes, and then I decided it would be analyzed as part of my High Holy Day sermons to the congregation, and it remains one of my favorite sermons that I ever gave. So here is the joke told by Malcolm Bush. Dropkin is a very world-famous uh, specialist in a highly specialized field of cardiology. Uh, he had gotten his undergraduate degree, his medical degree, and his PhD in his hometown. He was then practicing uh, as a research doctor at the highest level in New York. He wrote a significant paper, and he's invited to deliver the paper at a meeting, which by coincidence is his very hometown. Uh, he's called to the dais. This room is full of uh, men and women, the men wearing tuxedos, the women properly attired for such an august event. Dr. Dropkin ad approaches the dais, puts his papers on the uh, lectern as he's about to uh, give the talk, and suddenly uh, the papers just all slide to the floor. He bends over to pick them up. As he does, his tuchus is against the microphone, and at the very wrong moment, Let's one ride that reverberates throughout the room, magnified by the microphone. Somehow he gains his composure, delivers the papers, his paper. No sooner is he done, he grabs everything up, makes a quick exit through a rear door, never comes back to the town again. Well, many years pass, his mother is on in years, and he has to go back to town to care for his mother. He does so, so under the name of Dr. Cohn, 
makes a reservation at the local Hyatt under that name and gets there under cover of darkness, checks into the hotel, uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed room clerk says, oh, good afternoon, good evening, uh, Dr. Cohn, have you ever been in our town before? The doctor says, yes, as a matter of fact, young man, I grew up here, I got my education here, got my doctorate, my PhD here at the university, uh, and I moved away. The young man says, oh, why haven't you been here, sir? He said, well, a number of years ago, a very embarrassing thing happened here, and I just didn't feel that I could come back and face the people in the town. The young man says, uh, doctor, far be it from me, a young stripling, to advise a distinguished older gentlemen such as you. But if I can give you anything from my experience in my young life, things that I thought were embarrassing and people noticed, uh, I later found out that no one even knew that they happened. And I'm sure that's probably true of the thing that you think is so embarrassing. Doctor says, no, I doubt that anyone has forgotten this. The young man says, well, was it a long time ago? Yes, it was a very long time ago. The young man says, was it before the drop can fart or after? <laughs> Well, I hope you found that as funny as I do, still so many years later. And uh, I want to share with you now the sermon that I gave on it. And it will take me a couple of weeks. Uh, and each week I'll repeat the joke on the podcast in case somebody missed it the day before, the time before. You can fast forward it or you can listen to it a second and a third time. So here's part of the sermon that I delivered on it. Now, I read that that joke is based on a story which appeared in the Arabian Nights that might be over 1,000 years old, but it was probably even older than that. In, in fact, I suspect that the Talmudic rabbis knew it because they probably heard it from a Greek philosopher, one of those Greek philosophers that the rabbis told the people to stay away from, but whom they often listened to and learned from. If it did make the rounds of the rabbis, I'm sure it was retold at the shiva the next day as the day study activity was coming to a close. I imagine as well that when they heard the joke, the rabbis of the Sanhedrin tossed it around in their minds overnight. And realizing it was such a powerful text, each rabbi came back the next day with his own midrash, his own nugget of wisdom gleaned from poor Dr. Drobkin's horrible experience. So, here is my totally fictional and totally anachronistic summation of what happened the next day as the rabbis gathered in the yeshiva. Rabbi Yehuda was the first to speak, and he said, I must comment on that story I heard last night. Our tradition of Torah commentary is often based upon finding the one verse, the one phrase on which a story turns and on which our understanding of the story is based. So I thought about it. What was the critical moment in this story? To me, Rabbi Yehuda continued, the critical moment is when Dr. Drobkin answered the desk clerk's question by saying, yes, I once lived in this town. Think about it, Rabbi Yehuda continued. The doctor could just have easily said, no, I was never here before. That would have ended the conversation. The desk clerk wouldn't have known the difference. No one would have questioned him. What possessed him to say, yes, I was born here, when he had gone to such great lengths to deny it, changing his name and putting on a disguise? The fact is, that when confronted with the question, who are you? The good doctor could not lie about himself. And in doing so, he opened himself up to a possibility, a possibility that he would end this charade once and for all, admit who he really was 
and confront whatever consequences there were. We can lie about many things in our lives. We can put on many disguises during the course of our lives. But when the moment of truth comes, how do we answer the question, who are you? Do we continue to deny who or what we are? Do we continue to escape the truth? Or do we open ourselves up to reality? Chuva, repentance, means facing the truth about ourselves and beginning the conversation with ourselves, with God, and with others about who we really are and what we really want to be. While our tradition allows us and even encourages us to cover the truth on occasion for some bigger goal, shalom bayit, peace within a home, for example, those are the exceptions. We are supposed to be pursuing truth in our lives. That is what Rosh Hashanah is all about and what tshuva is meant to accomplish. As Rabbi Chama ben Chanina taught, if you open the gates of tshuva, the width of the eye of a needle, God will open it so the chariots can pass through. If we only begin the process by simply honestly answering a question about who we really are, we might find that the process gathers momentum and becomes easier and more productive. A second thought on the sacred story next week. Until next time, thank you.